Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. We've got a depleted squad out for this evening's four, well, three blades, unfortunately, at home. Phil, he might join us at some point, but unfortunately, something's come up for him last minute. But I'm John, and as always, I'm joined by Dan. Good evening, mate. Evening, chaps. Uh, and Ian. Good evening, pal. Good evening. And I'll say Happy New Year to the listeners. Uh, I won't say Happy New Year to Ian, because I saw him at Millwall on Saturday, but Happy New Year to you as well, Dan. And it's New Year, mate. Um, a very fruitful start to the calendar year, really, uh, following probably, I mean, somebody statistically might be able to tell me, but probably the best Christmas period I remember being a Blades fan there's usually some good results with an absolute stinker thrown in. And although we got out of jail against QPR, we can't complain. I think it's eight wins and one draw from the last nine games in all competitions. I mean, it, you'd, you'd be a real negative person to, um, to to complain about that. So the plan tonight, in Phil's absence, we're just going to talk about that 40 minutes and talk about how we're poised going into the game against Stoke on Saturday. So... How have you seen the festive period, Dan? How's it been? What, what, anything stand out to you? Just, like you said, nothing but positives, really. Um, even the even the negatives are positives. And by that, I mean, I don't think we're, we're playing outstandingly well at the minute, but we're still picking up results. And that's got to be a positive, because if we're picking results, of, like you said, eight wins and a draw out of last nine, not particularly setting the place on fire, when we do click... Realistically, we should we should steamroll the division. I know it. I know it didn't work out, but yeah, I can't really find anything anything negative to say. Really, this, you know, we're picking up the odd injury. That's kind of out of our control. That's just football. Um, the players that at the beginning of the season look like they might be out of the depth. People like McAtee suddenly looks like a really good player at this level. You know, he looked like at the beginning of the season someone who had never played men's football before and was possibly not ready for the championship. Now, he looks a really good player at this level. I couldn't agree more. Um, it's, I'm overwhelmingly positive myself, and I think McAtee's an interesting one. So I think we had a few divided opinions after his first game, and I remember thinking that he had a bit of the sort of happy... He, he liked getting stuck in, I thought, even with no effect, but I thought he had a bit of a sort of like um, carefree approach to the game. And obviously that got kicked out of him at Luton and he looked like a small child getting beaten up, didn't he? And then slowly but surely, he's now arguably one of the, the most important and first names on the team sheet from a from attacking side of things. Um, I think the goal he scored at Blackpool, people say, oh, he just ran and scored. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's exactly what he's done, but he's ran 70 yards. And the finish is cool as a cucumber. And yeah, I think I think McAtee's been someone who's shone for me. And I'm I'm dare say delighted because I think he'll only get better as well. I think for me, you're right. I think the goal did a huge amount for his confidence. He was playing well, but then it's just elevated him that bit more. And you know, on Saturday I thought it was interesting because him and Njai seem to be playing off Jebison. And I think if he's ever fit available, whatever the issue is, that we don't know what it is with McBurney. A front three of McBurney with possibly Njai and McAtee playing off him excites me as to what we might be able to do. You know, for someone yeah. who... You know, I'm not saying McBurney's game is to hold the ball up, but you look at how, how he was terrorising defences before his injury. Um, I think having someone with that physical, that physicality and movement up front that, to be fair to Sharp, he doesn't give. That's not his, you know, he'll wrestle, he'll try and hold the ball up. But I think McBurney would be just a different animal with those two playing playing off him. Yeah, or with, or what, like, to, like, just playing with him because he does, yeah. he, is, he likes the little link ups and stuff, doesn't he? So yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. One thing I would say about Sharp, not claiming for one minute the performances of where, where they have been for us in the past. But over this Christmas period, he's chipped in with goals and he's played a lot of 90 minutes. And for a 36-year-old, that's pretty impressive in a team that has only dropped two points in, in that period. Um, I think he gets 
I get frustrated with Sharp. And I mean, we've talked in WhatsApp and I, I think Dan, me and, and you were often first to say he offers very little unless he scores. Yeah. But that, like taking a step back after that period, the amount of minutes he's played at his age, it's a fantastic contribution. And I will stick my neck out here when we get promoted. Like that shouldn't be something that's forgotten about. Like a, a immense contribution when we've needed him, and obviously when he when he's fit, and Jebison's really nudged himself into pecking order now. It doesn't take much, does it? United with strikers, you get one goal and you play well for five minutes off bench, and everyone's like, "You've got to start." Uh, but like, I would definitely play Jebison on Saturday against Stoke. But yeah, um, thing is, Jebison every time he's played before has looked massively out of his depth, and obviously he got that goal against Everton in the Prem. Um, but then since then, in the games he's played for us, he's, he's, he's looked like a kid. He's looked like he's a million miles off it. Never really offered anything. And then came on, came on against QPR, didn't he? What did he get against QPR? 20, 25 minutes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, did really well. You know, gave us that, like, like you were just saying, Ian, that focal point up front, gave us something to work off. Gave us a bit of, bit of something different, someone who can run in behind. And obviously got his goal at Millwall, and yeah, you're right. I think, I think yeah, he possibly has got a good chance of starting on Saturday. I, I think I think we will go with Sharp. I think he'll go tried and trusted. But I do yeah. think that Jebison, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be put it this way. You wouldn't be disappointed if Jebison started. Whereas ten games ago, if Jebison started, you'd be going, you know, this is a gamble. He's not done anything. Whereas I think if he starts on Saturday, it'll be like, cool, yeah, he's done enough to to warrant that. It's like when you asked me on Sunday, you know, how, how did he play, do you think? And because you hear bits on, like I said, the radio and the, the, the you know, the, the commentary and he's obviously scored. And I think my answer was, in spells, he was, he looked really strong. He, he, he looked stronger in running with the ball. You know, sometimes when he's come off the bench, he's just looked that bit lightweight. Yeah. And he looked a bit more physical. He looked, he, he looked like he'd got the confidence to go at people. Um, and he didn't always come off. You know, there were times where perhaps he there was still a touch of naivety there, but there was a threat. And and like I say, having that focal point and having Njai and McAtee playing off, just we had a, a lot of pace and a lot of movement and a lot of willing runners. And 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 we kind of overran Millwall, didn't we, John, really? Oh, yeah. I, I feel like the Millwall game to me was very... Very interesting that we were able to, and it only really struck me because of how, I think it's because of how inconsistent the side's been this season, which is, again, something that when we get promoted, people need to be like, that was quite an achievement. Because when we did it last time, it was about 14 players, it felt like. <laughs> it was You could pick the team every week. But at, apart from Jefferson, there wasn't any like glaring ch- there were changes, but no more like, oh, God, what's he going to do, etc. Um, and and we managed to make those those changes and look really functional from the off. Whereas they, you could tell they'd made changes, and we were just we were just far superior, weren't we? Well, and that's it. In, in the past, those kind of cup games, even against lower league opposition, we've made we made six changes Saturday. We made six changes in the past. We've just looked so off here. We've, we've looked, looked really disjointed, haven't we? Yeah. yeah, and and to be fair, they only made well, they made changes. We only made four. So they had a, because I mean, we were looking at it at the time, there's no match programme at Millwall, so you couldn't look down to see what their side had been. So I'm trying to look on my phone and say, well, you know, you've got Saddle, you've got Honeyman in there, you've got, you know, you've got um, uh, Bradshaw, not, uh, was it Bradshaw up front? Um, he, you know, they got... He always has the odd purple patch, but without, without any consistency, doesn't he? Um, yeah, but but they got, you looked at their team, um you know, it got Cresswell at the back, Mason Bennett, um, Savile, Honeyman, Bradshaw, as I say. And you felt that this this is still a strong side. And you look, and they, they only made, they made four changes. So actually, to do what we did, you know, again, let's not underestimate how much we controlled that game for large parts. But what, um, is, what is the difference, though, from maybe, if you think about cup games under Wilder when we're in the Premier League, particularly, or going for promotion, uh, like I think I remember Flyde and people like that that were like, Flyde, Flyde. Flyde you know, fucking now. 
But like, I remember that game for other reasons, Dan abusing Andy Taylor mainly, but like the fact that we've got people <laughs> like Rodwell coming in who never played for us and some yeah, of like the... Ravel Morrison and people are playing, didn't we? So like our changes on Saturday were Basham, Robinson, Davis, who actually had played for us not a few weeks ago when Wes was suspended. So it wasn't like as big a deal with the goalkeeper change. Jebison like being the most controversial, um, like Doyle coming back in, who before his injury was first choice, you'd argue. So like, it, it, what's interesting, I don't think even when like, even that season when we had the triple assault, when we never achieved anything, we played all those games, like playing like fifty five, knocking on for sixty games in that season. But Warnock again, you'd pick the, t- you knew the team, give or take, and it's. It's such a strength, but it's also probably something that Heckingbottom hasn't had. Because people say, and I've said it, that Heckingbottom can't use his bench. And these games when he doesn't, well, that's probably why he's managing in the championship. But he's certainly able to rotate a squad of players and get them to still get results, even if they're not always firing on all cylinders. I think I think the, the use of the squad... Is is phenom- has been phenomenal, and and Saturday was a testament to that. Millwall is a really hard place to go. It won't be that easy when we go back there in the in a, in less than a month in the league. It'll be a really difficult game. As soon as that, is it? Yeah, yeah, I think it's like well, early Feb. Wait, well, it's, has he got? Have they announced a new date? No, no, it's Reading that's moved with a couple. Reading that's moved, isn't it? For it's the it's the Millwall game that now kicks off at half twelve. Wonderful. I mean, which makes me glad I did this trip. Yeah, um, and as well, like you say, you'll have a you'll have a not full ground, but you'll have a a fuller ground. I mean, obviously they had one upper tier on the side empty, they had the whole stand behind the other goal empty. So it was, you know, a, a bit of a a soulless atmosphere. I mean, there wasn't the usual like rigmarole that you have to go through to get in either. Uh, it was a lot more. Oh, Way fancy down there, mate. I took my pals around like the up South Bermondsey stations. I took some 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 locals with me to introduce them to uh, a Blades Away match, and um, and yeah, they, they, we couldn't actually get in. We had to go a different way and went through the main gate, like away fans here. So it was um, it was you could tell it was an old Championship third round game. And it was like where really not many people could be asked. But yeah, um, it's one of those. Unlike you... the next round, yeah, which is going to be pandemonium for tickets. I'd love to go. I'm hoping to go. So we'll see what happens there. But well, also, we... mention something on that. So I don't know who it was. Someone replied to so Ryan Reynolds tweeted on Saturday after they won, and he ended his tweet with crossblades. A Welsh flag and cross blades, and they're going. See, he's predicted. He's predicted it before the event. No, that's that's Deadpool, mate. Unfortunately, <laughs> you know, cross blades yeah, emoji does have more than one meaning. Yeah, I mean, it's a funny coincidence, shall we say? I mean, yeah. having watched the Rex and documentary, it's very charming, and. Uh, Rob McKenney, the way he tweeted that he'd been in Sheffield, had a great time, the people were great, but now they're the enemy and we must slay them. It was all like pitched, well, it couldn't be pitched any better as like the perfect sort of cup game for us. It'll be competitive. I'd expect us to still win, which is good because I think we, as I touched on before, we've got the squad, but it'd be nice and, and we'll get a little bit. <coughs> bit oh, we've not had a proper cup run for a while, have we? No, so we do that, and I think it, isn't it something like twelve, or twelve Premier League sides are already out, and then Wolves and Liverpool are replaced. One of Wolves and Liverpool will go. Yeah, so that's thirteen are already out now. No, come on, like we've got one job, job and one job alone, but like, uh, I throw, think... no, throw, throw something in the mix here. So it was interesting. Friend of the pod, Alan Pickard, tweeted. You know, all this clamour to get back in the Premier League. But I'd much rather watch United in a cup final. I'd love it. I think I think watching the Blades at Wembley in the FA Cup final would be the pinnacle of supporting them for us. If you think about it, like, I don't think there's a bigger occasion 
as a fan of a club the size of Sheffield United can ever expect to be in an FA Cup final. Unless something really changes, that is, which can happen, but in an FA Think- Cup final... Thing is, you're right. We're obviously we're obviously we're all excited this season about how well we're playing and how close we are to promotion. But if you think back, what eighteen months, two years ago, we were moaning about being in Premier League. All right, that was possibly to do with the fact that we were shit and getting absolutely bummed every week. But we were moaning about the Premier League. We were moaning about VAR, big team bias, um, big team bias. You know, overseas Premier League, Twitter. There's every chance we'll be doing that this time again next year. If we go up, we'll be Saturday going, this is fucking rubbish, I hate this. You never play Saturday three o'clock. You're always playing at random times. You're having goals disallowed for someone's fucking toenail being offside. So, yeah, you're right. We've said before, the journey's better than the destination, isn't it? 100%. But at the same time, I'm fairly confident and... um... I was having a, a beer with Sam from Denblades the Pinch on Saturday after the game, and me and him have got quite stark, um, different opinion on how we'll approach the recruitment. As I said, I would like us to try to be a bit creative and try and bring in some players from Europe, like Anil and people like that again, and and see a real like different approach to it this time. So I'm convinced the board have learned from the mistakes, and he disagreed, and he said. I'd rather we sign the premium players from the Championship and League One. So that in itself might be quite exciting because I think the way I want us to approach it, should it happen, even though I keep saying it will, but like, should it happen? I think like a bit like Fulham, just steadily do have it all set out, do it, and then just be really efficient that nobody's speaking about you. Um, but yeah. It depends, obviously, but also... We've, you know, we've not potentially factored in that we could have new owners by the time we go up. Those owners could have a lot deeper pockets than the current owner. They, they could have a lot shallower pockets than the current owner, but, you know, we might be suddenly doing... They'd have to be stitched, have to be stitched up. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's, that's unfair. I mean, I'm just... That's, you know, no, it's... For, it's, for, the, for it's, the purposes of the tape, that was a joke. For the purpose, we've largely spent what we've earned. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, we, being... we could end up. I mean, no, you won't want to do what Forest have done and bring twenty odd players in, but they have spent a hell of a lot of money. Yeah, we could be spending. Uh, it's all kind of speculation and if some and maybe's at the minute, but we don't know what the budget will be if and when we go up because See, that's, we don't know who's going to be in charge. Forest's recruitment's a bit, and we'll have to get back onto United in a minute. But I think it was a bit scattergun. So, like when they bought like Toffolo and people. Um, they then was like, oh, we could actually get a better one. So, like, they ended up with two of everything when probably that was never the plan. But I don't know. You'd ask, you talk to a Forest fan, they argue that they made the right decisions and all this. But anyway, talking of squads and now, give or take, we're pretty much back, would you say, 85% fit our first-team squad? If I was born... If Osborne, if you count in Osborne and Lowe as being close, like he said today, Heckingbottom and McBurney on the grass, whether as hopefully, <laughs> I'm hoping there's not a double meaning to that. <laughs> hopefully, under his feet, not in the other term. We've got to be like looking like we've got a very strong squad here. Brewster's Brewster's the only one I think that's still Clark, Clark's out, isn't he? At the minute. Oh but yeah, right. yeah. Booster, Norrington, Davis, are the long terms. Yeah, and Kieran Clark. He's short term. And Flake, I don't think we should, we can't forget John Flake. I mean, people might write him off, but again, he could be an important player if he was fit before the end of the season. It's one of those uh, about like I think he Flake Flake's contract's up, isn't it? I think. Mm. I think he and I think he goes, but like, if we've got a big game tomorrow and everyone's fit, I'd probably put him in my team. So really, I don't know. Like, if we had a pressured game, wouldn't you want Fleck in midfield? I I don't know. He tends no, to if, if if everyone's fit, uh, it to be it to be Norwood and Doyle for me with Berger or McAtee in front of them. And I'd agree but with that. But but I think I think for me, Fleck's a player you want on the bench for that kind of game. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, the experience, yeah, Ted, that you might need to 
Well, that's what that it comes down to for experience. I think, I mean, I think for Eckingbottom, Osborne's in front of Leck anyway. I think his selections this season have like pushed towards that. But yeah, um, I mean, I haven't listened to it yet, but I know Blades Pod did a sort of uh, keep or like, uh, yeah, I listened to it the, yeah, a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, that's something we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about between. But for me, like, there's a lot of big, big questions because, like, Bogle is just a player that you need to get into your team. Yet, since he's been at the club, there hasn't been a better beacon of consistency than Baldock, really. Like, in terms of effort, and even the year we got relegated, like, those performance levels did not drop. He was one of the best players that first season in the Premier League under Wilder, so consistent, played pretty much every minute that season. But Bogle just gives us an extra dimension. I don't know what to do. I've heard people say play one at left back. Now, I don't really agree with that. I don't think that's the solution. No, no, that, that's that's showing someone in just to get them in the side. And, and... When you've got four or five left-hand sided defenders and yeah, backs, it's, it's a dangerous game, but what do you do? You think this is a good problem to have, or do you think this is? Do you think he'll just rotate and depending on the opposition? I think that's exactly what I'll do. You'd, you'd rather have realistically at this level, you'd rather have Bo, Bogle and Baldock fighting out for the right back spot, and like you said, rotating in and out as and when, rather than having one of those there and then nothing behind them. You know, if you're suddenly then having to put, I think of an awful right back we've had over. We've, we've always been fairly well blessed as long as I've been watching out. I mean, you don't want think to think about one. Uh, are we putting Ulenbeek in that? Class? Yeah, Ulenbeek's probably as bad a, as bad a right back as we've ever had in it. Ulenbeek, or like sometimes when I don't know. I remember a few games Steve Yates were pushed out onto right hand side of defence under Warnock, and that never looked pretty either. But like, no, consistently, I'd say. Ulumbi could be the stink of a right back I'd come to. No offense. Oh, Jesus, Phil's here. Swinging in like Tarzan. Good to see you, Phil. Woo! Hiya. Hiya. So, Phil's going to, Phil will, Phil will catch up with our uh, meandering sort of mid season pondering, but we just. I'll listen. We're, we're discussing Baldock and Bogle, Phil. Okay. And who do you fancy the most? <laughs> In which way? <laughs> I mean, he is a very handsome man. Um, Bogle, for me, offers more going forward. Even though George Baldock invited you around his house? I've been to George Baldock's house, yes. He's I, know. A very... I, I, I know, that's why I said it. Uh, uh, Bogle just offers more, doesn't he? Yeah, especially, I... especially at this level. Yeah. Next season, when we go up, if we go up, then maybe I don't know. It depends how you want to play. Obviously, Bogle gives you more on the front foot, but we're more likely to be on the back foot next season in Premier League. So, do you want someone who's a bit more solid? Again, it would cross that bridge when we come to it. It's a, a nice problem to have. I mean, to, this is what we're just saying, Phil. Having two right backs of that 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 quality is a, a really nice problem to have at this level. I think some, somebody said on one of the WhatsApp groups, having a combination of them two would be like your ideal right-back, wouldn't it? We've got one who's better offensively and one's better defensively, so yeah. And they're both good players, so... You know what, I remember saying that 20-odd years ago when we had Wilder and Pemberton at right-back, and you said if you could combine them, because Wilder was technically a very good player, but obviously not quick in the slightest. Pembo was rapid, but not fantastically technical put them two together you you would have had a really 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 good right back it's, it's like you say that the fact that we we can have this debate and we can flex the selection as he is to suit opposition to suit how we want to tweak the way we play I think it's it's fantastic but it's also credit to the way Heckingbottom managing the squad so like today I think Amal Hodzic was saying in the press conference he was gutted he really wanted to play against Millwall but he understood why 
and he respects the fact and recognises now why he needed to be arrested, but he was just full of praise for Bash. You know, and, and how Bash is an example to to lead by and, and a player, you know, to look up to as a young footballer. And it's like there's a there's a cohesiveness and a, a togetherness in this squad. Everyone is kind of he seems to have got it really, really tight. That everyone well, knows their roles. No, you don't you don't get a sense of any mardiness if someone gets dropped or rested for a game or two and or they, know, so the game. or they end up at Birmingham for the rest of the season. But like um which is a, it's a bit of a shame, actually, Kadra, to be fair. I think everyone wanted more to see him more for a start, but expected more from him. And more to point, it's Dan's worst ever week as a Sheffield United fan after proclaiming his love to Kadra at the start of the season because he likes, what was the word you used? I remember, what did I say? Something to do with dark-skinned foreign men or something like that. Yeah, and I said he looked like a, I said he looked like a, a Miami Vice villain with his kind of dusky skin and little blonde highlights. He looked like a Miami Vice villain. But yeah, it's uh, and, and the same week that Moose is being suspended by Bochum as well. But what is it? Lack of effort and unprofessionalism or something? Not even being on pitch and <laughs> not, not being kicked, not kicked a ball from has he? Hey, let's not talk about Moose. We, we got in trouble last time we mentioned him, so yeah, we, can't, we can't mock him. He must be trying. <laughs> God loves the trier, but the Germans don't in the second division. Do we think that we bring someone in and fill Kadra's? I think we've got to. I think we have to. Yeah, Heckingbottom's answer was a straight no today to that, but that's again. Can just be, you can say what he wants in a press conference. He's very good at keeping his cards close to his chest, though, isn't he? Hmm. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think he something has to happen there because, say, Injai got injured, like we're in, we're in bother. We'd be in bother if that happened. And you got five players to replace him, if you're not getting on to replace him, but like, I don't know, I, I think if you can get somebody. But it's hard, and Alan, he's already had a mention once tonight, but he made a very good point. Um, I saw he was talking to somebody on Twitter and saying, well, the problem is who's going to want to come in? I think he was saying to Chops, actually, who's going to want to come in and sit on the bench? Who's actually going to really push? And, and like, so when we got Hogan and Medine, they're players in, in the wilderness, and I don't think we're in a position... To bring somebody of that in because we've got, we've got, we need like a spark, a ten, a creative option to come on, and they're harder to get to go on the bench because often you only get them doing that when they play. Have you, the counter to that? Have you seen Carlos Arba's comments today? That we're really attractive to potentially fringe Premier League players, forwards particularly that are looking to go and play some football. Because we're creating chances for whoever plays up top. So if agents are looking for somewhere to place a player now, we would be really, really uh, like prime location for someone to go to. So it, it's interesting to look at both sides of that. I think the, the, the person that's in the hot seat, though, if you want to call it that, is Jebison. If Jebison performs well over the next two, three, four weeks, then we're okay, I suppose. We, we've got what we need. I saw yeah. today that Man City are talking about recalling Liam Delap, aren't they? From Stoke. He's already gone back out, I think. He's already gone back out, has he? Yeah, but I, I did also read that you can only have two players from the same team. Right, yeah, yeah. That makes sense, actually. Yeah, I think. I think, I think the one that, that kind of interested me a little bit was um, was a young, um, I think he's about eight. 18, 19, Australian at Newcastle, Garen Kowal, who's moved across from Central Coast. Australian he's international. What? He's an Australian and his second name is what? Garen Kowal. He's uh, South Sudanese. Koala. Koala. So, so yeah, Koala. My, my mate Josh told me about him. Yeah. Like, he went to the World Cup. Like, Newcastle, he was playing for, like, for nobody in Australia. Newcastle scouted him, bought him straight away. That, is that the guy that came on? He came on against Argentina, I think, late on in the game, yeah. We're not, we're not talking about Dave Kangaroo then, or... 
We're not interested in signing <laughs> Dave's kangaroo. <laughs> Nick Possum. Um, the, um... <laughs> Do you know what it is yet? Sorry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. We're on a Harrison here, thanks. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, again, he's, he's more of a forward and maybe like you say, we've got Jebison and Sewer at that kind of age and probably similar <laughs> But it, it did wonder if that might be someone that might just give us something a bit, a bit different and and plug what we got. But I just see he went to Hearts. On loan. Oh, all right. So that rules that one out. But that was someone I was thinking about. You know, a week or two about. If you're looking at, you gotta you gotta gamble, haven't you, on somebody that's a youngster at a Premier League club in reality to to come in and do something extraordinary. With. Yeah, I don't, I don't, we're not spending any money, are we? Whoever comes in, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a loan. I don't see us don't see us bringing a permanent sign. I mean, in, in terms of discussion points, I mean, I personally, before I move it on, I'm just conscious of time, but my, I think he might go in on how our season's gone. Wait until wait until at least, like, the 25th before going and seeing what's available. Because you never know with injuries or something. like that. We've got that loan now, so it, we'll, we'll just have to see. But also... Like we've all said about Eckingbottom, it's all very much like, you know, it, the rumours of signings and that don't go around the WhatsApp groups like they used to, do they? So, no. I assume you've talked about the chances chances of us losing somebody. Uh, are we, I presume we're not. We're, well, that no. was going to be my next segue, Phil, so thank you very much. You're welcome. So, I personally don't think we lose anyone, no. I, I, I think the summer was evidence for that. And you, yet, if people weren't willing to pay for Burger in the summer, I mean, if they were going to offer us, if they'd offered me fucking taxi home after QPR performance, I'd been like, take him, thank you. But like, um, like I don't think if people were going to part with the money for Burger in the summer, they'd have to pay a premium in January and they're not going to do it. I, I, I think we keep older players. I think at the minute, Njai is more valuable to us. Yeah, I, I didn't mention him because I d- don't talk about him. No one needs to know. <laughs> did, did you see that? Was it second? Your tweet today, Phil? Was it second tier pod? Asked. Yeah. It, it was the foremost or transfer market. It was the foremost valuable transfer so, championship. Yeah. So he wasn't in the top five. But have you seen what they've actually valued him at? No. Seven million. But they've got Ben Burton Diaz, who's got six months left on his contract at fifteen or something. Yeah. Seven yes. million, and Seven um, million. and what are they continuing charging for his other three limbs? Is that, <laughs> can have his left arm for seven million quid. Well, let's complain. Let's leave him to it. That's all he's worth. He's not very good. The, the worst thing about it is. Max Aaron's is in the middle of that. Million, <laughs> million. Every time we played Norwich, right, he has been dog shit slash anonymous. And he's talked about like, oh, he's better than Trent Alexander Arnold. No, he's not. He plays fucking Norwich and has done for five years. No one's ever even been remotely strongly linked to him. And you can all fucking tweet me. When he goes to like Spurs in the summer and he's the best player in the Premier League. But well, like Jed Spencer's, like he's like he's ripped it up over there. I loved the other day. I can't remember who they were playing, but I caught the end of a Spurs game and he got brought on in the 89th minute when they were three 0 down or something. I was like, yes, you fucking great. But did you hear the reaction? Spurs fans going mental when he came on, like cheering, celebrating him coming on. It was brilliant. Yeah, I don't know if it was ironic or they just rate him or what, but... I've just, I've just pulled that list of five players at their top five. It, it was EFL Zone tweeted it, wasn't it? And Transfer Market had listed it. So we had Saar at 22... They're all in euros. 22 million euros. João Pedro at 20 million euros. Max Ahrens at 18 million. Rem Beriton Diaz at 16 and Berger at 16. It's just bonkers, though, isn't it? Because arguably the best player we played against is probably Gorkres at Coventry. Yeah. On yeah. that. And his goal scoring record in the Championship, you'd put him at, at least on the bottom of that list and maybe a little bit higher. 
Yeah. I'd say Yao Pedro was the best player we've come up against. That first game of the season, he looked absolutely lethal. <laughs> I mean, we gave them a goal. Oh, yeah, there was that, wasn't that? That was when Ender was like asking his mum what he got for tea when he got in, and then, oh, shit, I've got to defend, which has been a running theme. But yeah, um, I think the, I think those things a bit like when sports bible say sensational rant by Jurgen Klopp and he says excuse me to a journalist and then people are like can't believe he said that it's like you watch the clip he's just answered it or like Gary Lineker in Qatari out outburst and then you go on it and he's like yeah it's quite controversial but I'm still going <laughs> like it's just uh but like the Berenson Diaz thing just doesn't not taken into into account that again, as I've just said before, like it's January, he's got six months left on his contract. No one's paying that. In a and to be honest, he's probably he's probably not looking at moving anywhere. He's probably he's probably not thinking I'm gonna move now. He's thinking I'll see the season out, move somewhere on a free, and I'll earn an absolute shed load more than I would if I moved now. He gets his I'm guessing he's in no no rush to move either. He gets his um he gets to set off about four clubs competing with a signing on fee and wages for him, don't they? So yeah, exactly. But I, I don't I don't think unless a club throws stupid, stupid money at us for probably Burger or or Njai, I don't think we lose anyone. Would, would you sacrifice Burger to keep Njai? Well that's a proper Sophie's choice question, isn't it? I think, I think it's a no-brainer. I think, yeah, of course you do. Yeah, if guaranteed. Then yes, but I don't think. And I'm going back. I know John's point around his performance at QPR is probably fair on the performance, but I think we've missed. I think we've missed Burger more than we realise. If if right, anyone else put that performance in for United, we're talking. Like extreme levels of like, if Norwood had turned up and put that performance in, still he would have got people pelting him from the away end. Well, like, he's playing deeper at the minute because McAtee's playing so well. Mm. Berger's playing deeper. I, I, I agree, but in that in that case, don't play him. If he can't get in in front of McAtee, don't play him. For that reason, I would sacrifice him because I, I think, think I think he only I think he only played then because Doyle weren't fit. Would I? I think if Doyle had been fit, yeah. possibly he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have played. But yeah, possibly, yeah, possibly. I think Berger. I think I think Berger will play. Um, I think Berger will play a really big part, and I want him to do well. I just find it like absolutely baffling that it does seem to be shielded from sort of criticism that other players seem to get. Like, that performance at QPR was on an, oh, not indigestion. He wasn't alone, you John. He wasn't alone. Oh, they were Every, all Everyone was right? off it, pretty much everyone. Oh, to a man, we were off it, weren't we? Yeah, but you, you're 20-odd million pound midfielder. You expect to have, a, like, it was, it was embarrassing, like, flinching for headers and stuff. Anyway. He's not particularly good in the air, is he? Is but, it, was there another another question then on departures? Do you keep both Asula and Jebison? Or do you let one of them go out on loan? It just depends if someone comes in. If no one comes in, you have to keep them both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if, someone, if someone comes in, then get Asula back out at second half of the season. And somewhere where he's gonna play. You just get yeah, if somebody if if you can get get one of them to go somewhere, they're gonna be guaranteed starts. It's all, it's quite interesting actually because getting the goal at Millwall, we talked about Jefferson a bit before, Phil. Um, getting the goal at Millwall and 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 sort of like the way it's way it's like poised now is um like Jefferson's almost got a chance, and then maybe if he doesn't take it, he could be the one that goes out on loan. Like you had a run of games, you need some more 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 game time, and we'll keep Asula as the bit part player. I guess I guess towards the end of the transfer window, if McBurney's fit, there's an argument to send him to one of our rivals' rivals, if that makes sense. If there's a chance he might play. Someone that might take points off of people that we've... Yeah. Well, Sunderland wanted him last season, didn't they? 
Different manager now, though. <clears throat> so, but uh, yeah, like you say, if someone comes in, then yeah, send one of them out on loan, which I would, which you would imagine would be a silver. Other, other, other points, just to quickly cover because we've only got about ten minutes uh, before we have a little chat about Stoke on Saturday. Um, the left back position, Stevens has been terrible recently. But then there were flashes on Saturday at Millwall where he was playing a lot further up the pitch and getting on the ball looked a lot better. Um, if Max Lowe's, that's Max Lowe's shirt. That, well, he's not got it at the minute, but it still is Max, Max Lowe's shirt. Do we think that basically Lowe gets back in the side and providing he can stay fit, plays every game? Or do you see a similar scenario that we were talking about on the other side with Bogle and um, Baldock. I think when he's fit, I think like I say, if if he can get fit and stay fit, I think Lowe keeps the shirt. I, I don't I think there's a bigger gap between a fully fit Max Lowe and a fully fit Ender Stevens than there is between a fully fit George Baldock and a fully fit Jaden Bogle. Yeah, I agree. between those two in quality is a lot better. A lot yeah, I, think, I think going back to the right back slot, I think you can almost different horses for different courses, but for me, if Lowe's fit, Lowe plays. Yeah, regardless of opposition, tactics, need. Yeah, I think it's a shame. I mean, it's, it feels like a season too far for Ender in many ways. And it's it's sad because, you know, he's been, he's been on this journey with us. Yeah, and I think there's going to be, I think at the end of the season, we're going to have a lot of, like, happiness and positivity about, what we achieve, but I think it is going to spell the end of the road for a lot of the the statesmen in the squad. And yeah, really- you're potentially going to go up, and you and at the end of the season, you probably you're probably going to get rid of or let go in the contract. Sharp, Stevens, Fleck, O'Connell will retire. There's four from the you know mainstays of the the side for what last seven years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're talking there about some of the best players we've ever had. Like, yeah. That's not being dramatic either. I don't think we've had a better left-back than Ender. Sharp's arguably one of our greatest, if not a greatest ever player. Like, You can put the case forward for him being one of our greatest ever players, especially if we get promoted again this season. Um, and Fleck being instrumental in like virtually back-to-back promotion. Well, again, three promotions. Like... Won't be instrumental in this one, but you know, you know, I'm getting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So it will be. It's like it'll be. It'll be like tarnished with sadness, and people will. And and hopefully they go on, and Ender goes somewhere like goes back to Portsmouth if Wilder gets the job down there, maybe, and gets them promoted from League One and goes and has a really good season and plays every game, or Fleck goes up to Scotland and plays really well, or indeed goes. Goes and plays with Wilder at Portsmouth and and does well. And but is, is Wilder to Portsmouth a thing? Is that is that it, a thing? It's heavily talked about. I think basically that yeah. Right. I think that's a really good move for him. That that's a and I think that's a clever one because you can get the it's easier. You probably find it easier to put together a side in League One and then get the knock than trying to do it in the Championship. But but yeah, I think it'd be tinged with sadness. And I think. That's why I think this next this time next year, hopefully we're talking about as being sent to the Premier League and doing really well. Talking about <laughs> a completely different set of players, really different team, but um, that's also exciting. And we're not we're not there yet, but we have got a game against Stoke on on Saturday. And what we've still maintained, despite starting this pod talking about how good the Christmas period was. We sort of maintain this sort of habit of throwing in the worst like 15, 20 minutes into every performance just to make it really hard for ourselves. Whereas when we went to Stoke away earlier in the season, that that was happening for four games and we obviously had injuries and there was a narrative to that. But like we're a very different beast. And they've got they've got guacamole in charge, haven't they? So um what do we think is going to happen? It was it his first game when we played him last time, Neil, or his second? 
Early on. Early doors, weren't it? We'd, we'd just beat Sunderland as well, hasn't, hadn't we, um, under Neil? Yeah. Uh, I think we win comfortably Saturday. Same, yeah. I'm, I'm very confident. I mean, I don't see Jagielka scoring one of his 15 career, adding to his tally of small career goals like the gift that he got at, uh, at the Britannia. I think he's injured. I don't think he's playing. He was captain in the cup against Hartlepool. Oh, was he? Um, one of the few I've adopted the Dan Atkin approach to former players and social media, but I'm not. I don't get rid of Jags. Um, oh, really? He's oh no, he's he's different. He's different because I admire him as an international footballer. You see, um, so God, Kadra got unfollowed 14 seconds after United tweeted it <laughs> that he'd gone yesterday. <laughs> Do you know Bir- Birmingham had shared on Facebook we'd signed him before we announced we'd let him send him back? To <laughs> what was four that? minutes difference. Have you seen? Have you seen the uh, Birmingham cadre video? No, we're not in it. <laughs> Weird music, and he like walks in like this. I'm doing like a strut because you can't see what I'm doing. Um, walks in like this, and then like pretends he doesn't know where he is, and walks off. So, so pretty much like every sub appearance he's made for us this season. Struts on, looks like he doesn't know where he is, walks off. Apart from Swansea. Apart from Swansea. I mean, he just he just ran in a straight line. He did that plenty of times, but he happened to get the ball this one. But yeah. Uh, like a German Russell Bluff. There's only Phil will get that. In German. <laughs> That's clearly what? a niche, niche Sunday league comment. <laughs> Me and, Phil, me, me and Phil used to play with a lad on Sunday called Russell Bluff in Sunday League, and he just used to run in a straight line. And just he'd only know that he'd gone too far when he kind of saw a white line flash past his feet. He just, and oh, bollocks, I've run it out of play again. <laughs> well, I've just Googled him, and his LinkedIn's come up. <laughs> you just Googled Ross Bluff. He was a financial advisor. Dan, he's not the past tense. He has been for 19 years. Um, But independent for a lot of that. We once once turned up at Collie Park and opened the car door and he just set off running like having a lurcher. We just opened the car door and he just just (laughs) took off and ran across this field as part of his (laughs) warm-up. I remember he once hit one in from about 25 yards and everybody just stopped, like... <laughs> like time stood still. <laughs> Guys, Russell Bluff, if you're listening, good on you, mate. And... No, he's, he's a Rotherham fan, so he'll not be listening to this. Okay, well, he, uh, he went to the University of Liverpool as well, so there we are. It's a great name. <laughs> um, it's, it's the second best name I've heard this week. Uh, but the time dictates that you'll have to tune in to our next podcast in probably about six years to find out that name. Um, we will try to do a podcast next week because... Are we, are we going to predict scores or what, Saturday? We've all said uh, we think we win. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, last time we did this, I said we'd win 3-1 and you weren't, ooh, confident, and we did. So go on then. You've stored uh, that one up for six weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got... got I guarantee he's got a post-it note on his laptop that we can't see. was <laughs> right. Yeah, I'd, I'd love it if I could bring the screen down and you could see it, but that's not the case. No, um, for me, it is a... Uh, I would love a compensive 4-0 win, so I'm going to predict it. Uh, I was going to say 4-0. Really? Yeah, uh, because you were... I'm, I'm going the... <laughs> Billy people, let's get one right. I'm going the classic uh, 2 1 United. Well, I was thinking about that because they'd be 2 1. Their results are either being draws or one one goal defeat, so I was going to say 2 1. Well, and and it'll probably follow the same pattern. We'll go 2 1 up and be cruising, we'll let a stupid goal in, and we'll have a 15 20 minute spell where where we're a bit nervous. Yeah, and I will make a prediction, and I hope I'm wrong. Brown Lane will be a fucking morgue, and it really needs to change. (laughs) 
because it's it, it really shit. We need to sort it out. I don't know how we do. Maybe... The, the only way we do it is we get someone sent off in the first five minutes. Yeah. So, some bad... Or a, a terrible decision goes against the first five minutes. A bad tackle, sending off a, a penalty against us, a penalty... To, something happens. Maybe we should get in touch with United and get them on the screen um, when they're not showing, like, eight-year-olds' birthdays and stuff or, like, happy birthday, Pete, 65 today, him and his missus or whatever. And have, like, pictures that get the crowd wild up, riled up, like that Carboni and the Canio with pizza just flashes up. You like advocate in some sort of, like, clockwork orange thing where we all have to have us kind of eyes... Held open, and they just show us like he's holding them open, listeners. He's holding them open. <laughs> no, but I'd... that was really scary, Dan, because he got your glasses on as well and went like that. And then <laughs> remember that Kinder advert. <laughs> this is this is all the quality content yet again that works really well on a podcast. Maybe yeah. maybe we'll branch out into YouTube and uh, we might win an award or two along the way for our humour. But anyway. It has been an absolute pleasure talking about United. And I think we'd all agree that um, that that festive period and is it eight eight wins, one draw out of the last nine games? We cannot complain about that. I'll argue with that. Things are looking really positive and we're in for a good run into the season. It's been lovely to chat, boys, and we hope you've enjoyed listening. And we keep saying this, but we will do this more regularly. We hope to anyway. All right. One more thing to say. Hope the place.